<laughs> so dumb. I figured we'd start it with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and there he goes. <laughs> you know what? Oh, yep. Yep. Oh. So you sent this to me, and I didn't realize what was happening there. He whacked himself in the, he whacked himself in the junk. You you reply the, to me like he he's so happy. I'm like, how much did Anthony watch? I'm like, yeah, he's happy until like, I didn't because I was watching it on my on my phone when you texted it to me, and I just wasn't like like paying close attention because he just looked like such a happy bear, and then he gets whacked in the junk, and he just goes down. <laughs> oh man. Just us tonight, dude. I kind of we kind of needed a show with no guest. Next next week next week's jam packed, and mm-hmm. Thursday. What, uh, who's the, uh, <clears throat> who's the priest coming on Thursday? Uh, Father Peregrine Fletcher. He's a Norbert Norbertine. Oh, he's a Norbertine, and mm-hmm. he wrote a book on Saint Philomena. Uh, a children's book on Saint Philomena. Yep. And Rob just named his daughter that. So mm-hmm. he's only coming on for thirty minutes, though, right? Yeah, so I think we'll just um, more or less briefly go through maybe a quick story about St. Philomena, you know, who she is, how we know about her, and then why he decided to to do the book. And that's probably all we'll have time for with him. Yeah, we'll get him on for 30 minutes, and then we'll jump from that right into uh, just a regular episode of me and Rob. But then Tuesday, we have Charles Frown. Frowny. Frowny? Frown? Yeah. Frowny? I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to correct him on his pronunciation. <laughs> oh, coming from you, that's real. <laughs> uh, then Thursday, we have Keith Nestor. Uh, Keith Nestor is a Protestant convert. Um, and I've, him and I have just been uh, going back and forth, talking a lot on Twitter lately. And I, I, I want to just hear his story. I want to hear about how his wife reacted when he was coming in and how no, it's been since he's been in the church. He's really known for – he started doing um, – rosary live streams when the pandemic hit right and that's I guess. kind of how but, he got to be known oh i didn't know that okay yeah so we'll ask him like what, what got him started on his channel well, you know i want to ask him a bunch of stuff and i want to and then just get like a general sense of how he's doing since becoming catholic and like i him and i both kind of want to get people to chill a bit like because there's a tendency in everybody to like, if somebody doesn't agree with a hundred percent of what you think, it's like, we cut these people off or everybody's running around excommunicating each other. And so both of us just been kind of, you know, chatting a little bit of it about just like, all right, everybody calm down a little bit. Like I want to get Catholics from all walks of life, life on here. We had Daniel O'Connor on Daniel O'Connor, like shockingly great guest, right? Mm-hmm. He was I awesome. knew nothing about him. He was, he was really fun, really fun. He's, uh, he's got a little bit of the charismatic in him, but he also goes to the traditional Latin mass. So it's like uh, Keith Nestor has been a beacon of light in these upside down times. Yeah. So I, he had um, uh, he had a, I, I've been watching a bunch of Keith shows. I, I enjoy his show. I think he's a really good guy. So we're going to get him on. And then Saturday we have Gavin Ashenden. Mm-hmm. I have Father Maudsley rebooked. Yep. September we're, 9th. We're, I don't know if I told you this. But um, where Tan is helping is going to get Doctor K for us get for the book, here. yeah, for uh, for the Once and Future Roman Rite, and then also for his book on sacred music. Um, okay, I want I have to read the Once and Future Roman Rite then. Yeah, he. I, I think a, if I I think if I would have reached out to him through Father Lobel, he would have came on with us though, because I had a good conversation with him at the conference. Probably, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, they did send me a physical copy. I can send you that because I've already 
I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy. I'll get the audiobook because I do better with audiobooks. But yeah. also, I, I I don't know. I think John Henry Weston's blowing me off. Can you blame I, him? I texted him. He didn't respond. <laughs> I texted him. first. I texted him, and he was like, "Yeah, absolutely." And then I don't know. He might just be busy. Who knows? You know. But I retexted him this morning. I'm sure and, he's uh, very busy. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> he's he's only got life site news to run, you know. <laughs> so we'll give him a couple days on that one. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna get Father Maudsley back on. John Henry Weston, we'll get on. He's just he's got a lot going on right now. I think uh, Anthony needs the Cliff Note version. Oh, since Steve's oh, in no. the audience, everybody, <laughs> Steve, you're gonna regret since this. Since Steve is in the audience, I want you guys to know that Steve Cunningham has officially lost his mind, and he's now sending me voicemails serenading me. Hello from the tranny side. I must confess a thousand times. What is wrong with them? <laughs> I hear you sorry for the liturgical war. Why, Steve? Stop! Stop playing! Dude, what, what is going on with Steve Cunningham? <laughs> I like this. Beautiful. Steve has lost his mind. He just sends me the most random things. I'm just, the thing I'm happy about is it wasn't at two in the morning because a lot of times he'll send those to me very late in the night. I had an Adele moment in between uploads today. He says, oh man. Mm. All right. Um, I want you to play the boat video because I got a little story to tell before we get into our main topics tonight. We do have some good topics tonight, though, everybody. You guys know, Whoever had, somebody, uh... actually, somebody tweeted today that he goes, because their podcast is really good once you get for, past the first 30 minutes of bro love. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just like, well, I can't really be mad because they're not wrong. But you need to you need to have like a friendly conversation to get going before you get into the heavy topic. I don't know what to tell you guys. If you don't like it, watch the replay and skip the first 30 minutes. It gets good after 30 minutes. And, and for whoever had uh, Anthony Boat Story on their bingo card, you can now mark that space. No, this one's good, though. So I, we, I got a video to play that it's very uh, relevant to what I did this weekend. So hold on. Is there any swearing in it? I no, 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 okay. no, 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 no swearing. Oh, maybe, but not bad. It might be. Yeah, I'm so honestly excited. surprised they made the first three. So exciting. No, that'll, that easily make, right? And then, and then, oh, they're all down. His problem like, is he wasn't keeping the speed up. He needed to get that nose way up. Yep. So you can kill it now. So, so Saturday, uh, Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday. So, oh, I mean, I have a bunch of boat stories from this weekend. Friday after work. I mean, everybody saw that. We post that on the channel. But <laughs> 30 minutes of guys being dudes. Yeah. So Sunday is my daughter's birthday. Um, I didn't see the World Youth Day opening ceremony. I haven't either. I haven't seen that. I, I want to get into something very specific about that, though. Um, so Sunday's my daughter's birthday. So I have my whole family on the boat, plus three of my daughter's friends. <clears throat> and we were driving to in between the forks of Long Island. Okay. So now where I live is about normally I would launch it in Riverhead, which is in between the forks. And then it would be a 15 minute drive to the beach where we would go. Hold on. No one knows what you're talking about. Let me pull up a map. In between the forks. So if you if you look at Long Island, Long Island kind of looks like a looks like a fish kind of with two tails. It's like let's see if you got it. 
All right, there you go. You got it. Let's see. All right, so you see these? Use the arrow and point between the forks. Here. Can I don't see your arrow on the right? Like these. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right there. So yeah, let's zoom right in on that. Okay, so now if you if you see geography lesson, everyone. Yeah. So look, if you see Long Island, do you see how there's this? I wish I had the pointer. So do you see how there's like a, a beach running along the bottom there? Like that that little skinny strip right there? That's called a barrier beach, okay? So that runs almost the whole length of Long Island. That's a barrier beach. So I live, I mean, I launched my boat. Normally I would launch in Riverhead, which is on the north side of that fork, right, right around where Rob's Pointer is now. And then the beach is like south of that. So like... Um, all right, you see that bridge right there? All right, so that all right, so that's the Shinnecock Inlet, and then the beach would be right next to it. Okay, so you see right there's a little break in the land right there. Okay, so now the beach where the green thing is right there. That's where the beach where I had to go was. Okay. So now zoom back out and I'll show everybody what I did. So now I left from uh go towards Hampton Beach. You see it says Hampton Beach, go that way, so I could like and just keep going that would be west um okay so a little more no 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 go down south like now go west 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 all right so even more even more <laughs> all right so okay right about there you see this blue point see this blue point right there yeah. that's where i launched my boat okay okay now i launched my boat took it east now that whole way back under that bridge keep going Go under that bridge. Keep going. Now, you see that little opening right there? That. That's the opening. That's the Mariches Inlet. Okay? That takes you out to the ocean. So, in between the south the south of Long Island and that barrier beach is called the Great South Bay. And then you have that inlet right there. That's the Mariches Inlet. That takes you out to the ocean. So, now we're going. I took my boat. This is a 35-mile run on my boat. Okay? Each way. So, 35 miles there, 35 miles back. The first 10 miles, you're inside the, the the Great South Bay, which is behind that barrier beach. The water is calm. I get to the Mariches Inlet. This is the first time I've ever done this. When you're leaving the Mariches Inlet, it looked like that boat video we just watched, where you're getting curling waves coming over that inlet because it's such a skinny inlet. It's really only about 150 feet from one side to the other. So we're coming out. My wife is losing her mind on me, like freaking out. Well, that and the waves are going to build up on this shallow area here. Right. So that's a, that's a sandbar. Yeah. So when you come out, you have to come out and follow that deep water and exactly and then go around like that. That's only like four or five feet deep right where that shallow area is. Yeah. So coming out, these waves are curling. My wife is losing her mind, freaking out. I'm like, shut up. I have to pay attention here. I've never done this before. I got kids on the boat that aren't my kids. I'm flying through. I finally break through. We get out onto the ocean, open ocean, and it's a sheet of glass once you pass that one little spot. So now I got to go on the ocean and go east. So head all the way east. Now you see that second break? That's where I come back in. That's a 20-mile run. I come in through there, and I go back into – Nah, so you you, wait, but you, why did you do that instead of driving behind there? Yeah. There's so many five mile an hour zones uh. inside behind the barrier beach. So 
a 20 mile run going 30 miles an hour takes about 40 minutes. If you're behind that barrier beach, that would take about two and a half hours. So I, so a, a boat ride from, from where I left, it was 35 miles. I'm going 35 miles an hour on the boat. It took about an hour and 25 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. There's some spots where you got to slow down and stuff like that. If I would have stayed behind the barrier beach, it would have been three hours. So my wife is freaking out the whole time we're on the ocean. She's sitting there like this, angry with me that I did it with a sour face on. And all of a sudden we see two dolphins jump out of the water in the ocean and she perks right up. <gasps> and she gets her camera out and she's taking pictures. <laughs> she's happy. <laughs> she's <laughs> I just love how your ancestors literally crossed the ocean and discovered this continent. And here you are having trouble. <laughs> With a little inlet. <laughs> Dude, I have a small boat. So, like, if you have a big boat, you get right through there, no problem. Right. But when you're on a 24-foot bow rider, it's like, and you got kids that aren't your kids, and you're going through these curling ways like it, it was i was nervous dude my son talked me into it my son's like come on dad let's do it let's do it come on we're good we're good let's do it let's do it we got out and we made it and then when you come in when you go back inside the forks you'll see um there's locks there so if you go back inside the forks yeah you'll see you're, you're talking right like there so this here. channel here this separates the Peconic in between the forks and the Great South Bay, which is behind the Barrier Beach. So I brought a video. I, I posted the video in there of locks. Now, I, I didn't know these were all over the place. You told me there's like a bunch near you even, right? Not not near where I am now, but where I grew up in the Twin Cities between like St. Paul and Red Wing, which is a little city about half a mile or half an hour south. There's six locks on the Mississippi where there used to be rapids, right? But that they built these dams and locks so that barges can now travel from the you know the upper Mississippi to the lower Mississippi. Yeah, so it's basically a giant elevator for boats, right? So you pull in, it holds about 20 boats. So what it is is there's these two doors that so so if you go during slack tide, the doors are open and you can just drive your boat right through. But when it's high tide inside the Great South Bay, and low tide in the Peconic, you pull in this chamber and you see that door in front. That door closes. When you pull in, that door's closed and the door behind you is open. Then they close the door behind you and they open the door in front after they raise the water level up. Now, I've never done this before. So I've always wanted to because I'm like, it just sounds like such a cool thing. Like you go in now, that water level raised up like eight feet. So we pulled in, and when we pulled in that gate, like that water is all the way up now. Crazy, no other Catholic channels are covering this. <laughs> I, I like this one. I watched 15 minutes of Anthony sitting in his skin steer while his crew raked blacktop this week. Hey. Hey, we don't do things other people do, clearly. Oh, we're trying to do something different here, guys. You're just hanging with your friends. I'm just trying to teach you guys some fun stuff on Long Island. So eventually those doors will open and you got right, you get rid of the video. <laughs> uh, let's cover the other topic that we had that was pivotal Catholic content, which was the guy, the on, guy the, on the zip line. Yeah, yeah, I gotta see this. You guys have to see this zip line video. I had such anxiety watching this zip line video, it almost killed me. All right. I, so this guy I didn't listen to it with the sound on. Is that okay with the there's, sound? There's no cursing, nothing like that. Yeah, he's okay, too busy so, trying not to die. 
Yeah. So, okay. So a real zip line would have a, um, a wheel, like, like the carabiner would hook onto a wheel pulley yes. system and the <laughs> wheel know, would be so running on top of that friction. <laughs> yeah. Now these carabiners, that's steel, right? But they're, they wear down like steel wears down when you rub steel on steel. It's like oh, iron yeah. sharpens iron. You're going to wear down that steel. Just watch this guy go down. <laughs> and you told me the water was calm. <laughs> by your mom. <laughs> no, mom, it was fine. I swear. It wasn't dangerous at when all. When we got on the ocean, it was totally calm. But getting out, it was very scary. So. Yes, everyone is on the bark of Anthony <laughs> on this show. All right, let's watch this guy go down. Because I almost, like, I get angst. I'm very, like, I hate heights, man. Now watch this. Look how thin that is. He's trying to slow himself down with his hands. You know you've made a mistake when the steel is smoking. So that might be rust coming off, but he doesn't even have gloves on. Uh-uh. Like, just think about like what he's trying to grab right now. Like, if his hand gets caught between that cable and that carabiner, he will rip the skin off his hand so quickly. Let's <laughs> stop. He fast. just hit another cable, right? So now, yep. listen to him hit. He's trying to Look. figure out how he's going to get that carabiner On over the that other knot. side of that cable, dude. Like, what would possess this guy to do this? Hmm. Look. Like, what? What? This looks like he's sitting in a chair. Like, he's sitting on a piece of wood. Right? Like, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Like, that that clip will wear down from going that fast on oh, that yeah. metal. Like, I don't know if that guy got it. I guess he got out alive because we got the video. But like, I don't know. Electronic storage is pretty robust. Yeah, it's like that's saved on a memory card. That's all they needed to survive, right? Maybe it uploaded to the cloud. Dude, that is so like I, that is like anxiety inducing for me. I could never, man. I get, I, I am not good with heights. Like, like I, 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 I understand, uh, like wanting an adrenaline rush, right? There's no adrenaline rush worth that. No, that's just pure fear, man. I don't understand how people do things like that. That's no, so crazy. Either. All right, so let's see. Let's see what else we got for everybody. Uh, oh, we do have a crazy Karen video. Oh, I Should we do Catholic content? How long have we been going? We got, we got another 10 minutes of bro talk. <laughs> we got 10 more minutes of bro talk, and then we'll get into Catholic content, guys. Settle down. Mm. I'm mad at this guy that he pointed that out because that's really what we do. <laughs> We do 30 minutes of bro talk. Um, okay, hold on. Let me get this one ready. Okay. Uh, any major swearing on this No, one? no swearing at all, but this woman is totally out of her mind. Well, you can... Never mind. Let's see it. 
Why did you call the police? Because you should have to pay for parking like an idiot. Pay for par I just just dropping something off really quickly. I don't quickly. really care what your reason is. The police are on their way, and I'm just really tired of people like you with no respect for how the to police park. are not coming. Yes, they are coming. No, they are not. Yes, they are coming. For what? To give you a ticket. For what? Parking like an idiot. That's not a thing. There is a law against it. No, there's not. You're there's handicapped parking, and you don't look handicapped. I'm, I'm trying to leave right now, but you're no, not letting you're not me. Not leaving. Yes, I am. I'm gonna leave. You're not, you're not leaving. What? You're not going anywhere. What are you doing? I'm just gonna make sure. Can you, you imagine? Here. You know, that Can is. You she's, she's technically trying to kidnap him. Okay. He actually says that to her, but now if I'm in my truck and this woman does this and I have a water bottle, she's getting doused. <laughs> like I'm just squirting her with my water. There's no way. I would just sl slowly pull away. I mean, if she breaks the mirror, she can pay for it. But I love how this guy writes Karen's messing with the wrong people. Like the guy doesn't do anything. He just sits there. He's gently like, please, ma'am, let me go. <laughs> he's like, he's so polite. He's want to go home. She's so lucky she didn't do this to me. I would just start squirting her. These women need to be sent to Saudi Arabia. But Joe, they can drive there now too. Oh no! They yeah, I know. Too. The, they, the last they, bastion has finally fallen. They're one redeeming quality. They don't let women drive. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> you can play a few more seconds. Up. I mean, it's okay. it's like four minutes long. We don't have to go through For the whole what? thing. For what reason? I don't. Are, are you you're filming me now? I'm filming you filming me, yes. You know why? why? Because you're an idiot. <laughs> I want idiot. proof of it. The you police will see what? this video. The proof of that you park like an idiot. Now, now my mom's in the chat. Show anything me. <laughs> Mom, I really hope you don't ever do anything like this, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> My mother would never. She's like the total opposite of a Karen, my mom. Yeah, this this woman is bonkers, man. Like she just for the fact that she doesn't even know who she's messing with, right? Yeah. Like she don't listen to him, Annie, the best. <laughs> uh all right. So what story do you want to get into? Do you you know what? Let's what do you think about the, the kids doing mass thing? Kids saying mass. What do I think about? Yeah, like in general. Okay, so there, there's been like this trend of people posting videos of their kids um, dressed up in, in cassocks and like doing uh, playing mass, like yeah. a, as a as role playing. Right. And in one one aspect, it's like this is probably an awesome way to foster a vocation. And in the other aspect, it's like, are you are you messing around with sacrilege here? Right. Mm. And I think I, intention has a lot to do with it. I would say there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely no way the kids are committing any sort of sacrilege. The know, kids aren't, it, right? It's right. not intentional, right? And I would say the parents, maybe. If the parent is forcing it, right, like against the kids' wills or will or wishes. Well, that, okay, so so Mike Michael Naden says, Lou Varecchio explained this well. So this is where I got this from. He wrote he wrote an article on it explaining it, and I saw, and I read the article. He did make some good points um, about the sacrilege angle, right? But my, my point was, if, if the parents are pushing it on the kids, like you just said, Right. Like if, if the parents are pushing it on the kid and doing it to film it, to put it on social media for for likes and clicks like that, that makes me nervous. Right. If it's if it's like some someone with a social media presence and I don't mean just like someone with a Twitter account or Instagram posting for their friends. I mean, like 
an influencer of yeah. whatever you know whatever sort like brandon then, yeah that's th- that's not right well like, what did you say like brandon vought from word on fire because that's where the article derived from oh, brandon is really? vott is the one who posted the original video of his kid doing it so that's He's one of the one of the uh, big muscle bounded. Uh, no, no, no. Brandon Vaught, um, he's a convert. I, I I remember seeing his story in the journey home, <laughs> and then uh, I played an infantry man getting gunned down on Omaha Beach as a child. Did that go against filial piety? <laughs> Yo, we have the funniest audience get, in the world. Getting sent to hell because you played Medal of Honor as a kid. <laughs> the um, but I, oh. all right. So yeah, so it's like. You want to foster your kid's vocation, right? And I've heard priests say they played mass as a kid. Like a couple of priests said, like, no, 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 this is something I did as a kid. My parents fostered it. And, and kids well, are does. going Pius to mimic. The 11th. Yeah, there you go. So, like, kids are going to mimic the things that they they see adults doing. And it's obviously better than them for them to mimic something like that than bad behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for instance, like, you know, I, I know that they make, there's people on like Etsy that make like vestment sets for kids and stuff. And I've asked like Maddie, I'm like, Maddie, would you want, want me to get this so you can pretend being a priest? And he just looks at me like, you just, nope. <laughs> he just, no dad. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the end of that. <laughs> uh, we caught a, we caught a rough comment because of, um, oh, we read that on air with the woman that was mad about like the, you know, if your kid has a vocation thing. Like it really is a scary time, man. If your kid has a vocation, yeah, you know, I mean, there there's been times in church history where it was definitely maybe pushed a little too much on on children, especially younger children and yeah. children who didn't stand to inherit and, and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I'm not going to say like it was necessarily a bad thing, but there was probably definitely a time in the church history where where people were kind of push towards the vocations they didn't truly feel called to. Um, a lot of second-born sons. Right, right. But at the same time, in the end, that was probably really good for society as a whole. But um, Yeah, but the priesthood held a way more prestigious position back then, right? Right. And back then, there were monasteries where they could go and do whatever sort of work they were <clears throat> interested in for you know for the greater glory of god we don't so much have that these days and i don't know why would you push a kid into a vocation they didn't have at this point in time you know what i mean like there's it's too easy for them to go to get corrupted (laughs) it's not yeah it's like for them to end up in italy after leaving a, a note back at home yeah yeah uh well, all right. So then uh, Anthony Stein did two articles this week, and I thought they were both really interesting. One was on, I guess we'll do World Youth Day. Like, World Youth Day has James Martin going to speak at it. Right. Yep. Uh, Anthony, I got the St. Joseph Baltimore Catechism book, and I absolutely love it. It's so innocent and childlike. It's beautiful. Thank you for recommending. Um, so, yeah, so James Martin is... Um, is going to be speaking at World Youth Day. And it's like, we're at a point now where the church is hosting this event for 
a million kids, young people coming, and they're going to hear heterodox teaching now. It's like it's basically the LA rec that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, so like what it what are we actually doing with this thing? And it's like I see I see like Chris Stefanik is going. Plus, aren't they also, uh, as part of the actual official program, going to be bringing these kids to, like, places of Jewish and, and Mohammedan worship, too? Is, are they? I've heard that, and I, I, I'm I not going to say it's necessarily true because I don't know, but that's I've, I have seen that somewhere. That as part of the program, they're going to be uh, introducing kids to more or less other religions. It's like if you're going to have a World Youth Day and you're actually putting up a priest who's going to talk to kids and tell them how the rainbow stuff is okay and legit. Like I'm I'm having a hard time understanding like like how do how do people let their kids go to this thing at this point? They <clears throat> when I so when I was growing up, which isn't as recent as I used to think. Um <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was just something like, like the 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 parish kind of you know pushed on you as. Did you ever go what, to one? No, um, I forget. There was one big one. I forget the like the big big one with JP two was a little bit Denver, right? Yeah, I think it, I think Denver was the one um, that was just before I would, like would have been really old enough to, and then he got you know pretty sick and, and invalid. Um, you know, and so then it was a while until I think Benedict did one, and by then I was too old. So yeah. we're not too old, but I'd gone off to well, yeah. gone off to school and kind of fallen <clears throat> away from the church. So I kind of missed a good time period there, and I'm not sad about it to be quite honest. Well, everybody always talks about the Eucharistic sacrilege, right? But at least during JP two and Benedict, you were getting solid homilies and things like that, right? Like you've always had Eucharistic abuse like you you see the videos it's just ten thousand people handing wafers back to the next person like you know how many of those get dropped on the floor how many of those mystery it's almost like why even there's probably more eucharistic abuse at one world youth day than there was during a hundred years during the middle ages that's what i mean it's like why even serve communion at an event like that really why there's no need for it it's not necessary I mean, you could even celebrate mass and just not distribute communion. Right. Exactly. Like, okay, you guys want to part? You guys want to be here for mass? That's fine. Why does? Why do a million people need to receive communion? I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. It really goes against the, uh, the you know, Eucharistic theology of the of the Latin Church for almost two thousand years. Like, it wasn't until Pius the Tenth where regular reception of the Eucharist was encouraged. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, of course, but like uh, King St. Louis the Ninth, he attended Mass twice every single day, and he received communion only six times over an entire year. Really? Yes. Yeah, they were like daily communion was, is uh, – who? which pope was it? It was like uh, Pius the Tenth or something. Pius, Pius the Tenth. Pius the, Pius the tenth, yeah. tenth is the one who encouraged weekly communion. I think, mm-hmm. right? Like it was people would go to mass every week, but they didn't always receive communion. It was like so. Th- there's two two ways to look at that. It's like because I remember during COVID when we weren't allowed to receive, like it built a real anticipation, 
And there was something beautiful about that, right? Like it was like, oh man, I can't wait to receive communion. Almost like when you go every week, it's kind of like, like people actually think like the point of going to mass is to receive communion and it kind of distorts people's understanding of mass. Well, it's one of the main arguments you hear um, when you try to show people the difference between say the TLM, the traditional Roman rite, and the Novus Ordo. One of the main arguments you hear in opposition is, well, the Eucharist is still the Eucharist, you know, that's all that matters. And it's really a, a reductionism that breaks down the entire liturgy to to just the sacrament. And yeah, that sacrament obviously is at the heart of it, but that sacrament isn't the mass. It's not it's not the liturgy. There's so much more to it than that. And if that's all it was, why don't we just have a priest get up there, say the words of institution, the words of consecration, and and take communion? Why do we have yeah. anything else added to it then? Yeah, I was. I remember during COVID, we were doing like home liturgies. I never watched mass on TV. I just couldn't do that. Like I just, I just never was able to do watching mass on TV. It felt, it felt wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like something wrong about not being in person at the mass. So what we did was a home liturgy, and we would actually read the readings out of the the the, the, the missile, missile. The, the traditional missile. And then we would pray a rosary together. And there was something beautiful about that time. Like as much as, you know, the lockdowns were terrible, there was something beautiful about me and my family coming together and me being the priest of my home. We couldn't receive, but we did spiritual communion and we went through the liturgy and we made sure we kept holy the Lord's day. But I remember the first time we were able to, uh, to, to go to confession it was a parking lot confession. Like we forget how crazy 2020 was, dude. <laughs> like crazy 2020 was insane, man. And yeah, the first confession, we, uh, the first confession I could take my family to, because uh, Father Mayara heard my confession in the city. But um, like the first one I was able to take my family to during lockdown was in a parking lot, and we did like drive-through confession. So the whole family would have to get out of the car while one person <clears throat> did confession, and then like. So like I did, I went first. I pulled up. I went first, and then like my wife would come in the car and she would go, and then my kid would come in the car and he would go. It was a really strange time, and then when we were finally able to go to mass and receive, it, it was very like um, it was it was very bittersweet because of the mask thing. Like it was like yeah, yeah we get to go to mass, but everybody's wearing masks, and it was like I'll tell you, man went to the society during that nobody wore one there and it was like this is where i'm going right now <laughs> uh tom i, I so uh, the confession i went to saint pat's in uh, so tom goes to the same parish as me so for confession it was saint pat's in huntington um and for mass i went to the society because they would actually let me receive and i didn't have to wear a mask i was lucky enough to wear i was actually the one helping our local parish um, do the live streams. So I still, I, I went every, every Sunday went to church and father could hear my confession if I needed. And I still got communion there as I was helping live stream. So I was personally pretty blessed. My family had to stay at home. That's um, what I was going to ask. Yeah. So your family couldn't go with you, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a time where it was like, if you had a good priest who you could count on, like you were still okay, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, but if you were just like an unknown at the parish, it was pretty rough for most people, you know, man, that was a wild time. Right. Yeah. So world youth day, I don't know, man, I don't know where it goes from here. It's like almost like 
it's like not now they don't even get like you, you have this guy who's running it saying we're not even looking to evangelize people anymore in yeah and even if that ever was the the purpose like how long are we going to continue to do these same things with without changing them like world youth day has been a thing for how long now 30 years at least 86 i think it started so that, almost 40 so. years 40 years <laughs> and look at the stats yeah it is getting worse and worse among young people like like these things aren't aren't helping why would you want to take a million people a million kids put them all together when 79% of them are going are going to leave the church why why would you want to take your kid who who you think won't leave the church and put them with a hundred kids where 79 of those kids are going to leave the church. How could that possibly help them? So weird, man. It's like, I, but here's what's weird. It's like during John Paul, like you were too young, I think to really, <clears throat> to really grasp how big of a presence John Paul was like, especially before the, 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 the scandals, like dude, before the scandals, you don't understand the presence this man had. Like he made people, dude. He went before Gorbachev, and Gorbachev was trembling before him. Like, like it really was John Paul and Reagan who brought communism down in Russia. I mean, what we thought was bringing communism down, you know. But it was just like this man just had such a presence before the scandals broke. Once the scandals broke, it was like all of the authority he had was just done like there were rumors about it and stuff but when he would do an event like a world youth day you have no idea the excitement and and like just the anticipation for john paul ii coming my parents went and saw john paul ii at city field which was uh it wasn't city field back then it was uh now it's city field what the heck was it before shea stadium they went and saw him at shea stadium which was where the mets played and it was just bananas, dude. Like you, I remember the whole city being shut down. It was crazy, you know. I think that sort of papacy honestly hurt the church. That sort of celebrity pope, I think, only increased that sort of uh, you know papalatry that people have had since Vatican One. Like, I'm and I'm not I'm not, not saying, really. saying JP two is a bad bad guy or. That's a whole. You're saying that the, being in the spotlight like that. I don't think that sort of pope helps us. At least not in this day and age. You know, I just don't. There's there's something to the uh, the HBO series which I never watched, but people have shown me clips of like the the Pius the Thirteenth. Yeah, you know yeah, the, the Jude, pa- Law. Pius, Jude Law plays Pius Thirteenth. I've never seen the show, but there's clips where he goes, "We're shutting everything down." No more interviews, no more anything. Like we're no one, going behind the walls of the yeah, Vatican. Yeah, no one got to see his face. You know, like the show showed a lot of bad things. Obviously, yeah. it's it's HBO. But if you were to remove all those and have that kind of papacy, I think that would do more to help the church than than a JP two celebrity pope. Yeah, yeah. It's like we we kind of do need to bring back some of the mystique. the mystery you know it's like we don't want everybody so accessible and now it's literally every day there's another news story of another cardinal coming out and saying something ridiculous and it's just like can you men just shut up 
Can all of you just shut up? Imagine how the church could have been different if JP2, instead of traveling all over the world, appearing on the news all the time, all over, giving speeches, instead sat down and actually learned the men who were the bishops, learned about the men who were his cardinals. Think of what he could have done to maybe stem the abuse crisis. So, so Tom, I, I do too. I, so it's a weird thing. It's like you hear all the things like uh, that, especially younger trads that didn't live through the JP2 era, man. It's like it's very easy to point out a couple of the things that JP2 did with the Assisi meetings. It's easy to point out the, you know, all the bad cardinals he elevated. But if unless you lived through the magnitude of that papacy, man, it was just, I mean, I was a kid and I remember being like, holy cow. And I remember like Protestants were calling him the Antichrist. And it was like, I remember my mom. Protestants always do that. I know, but that's the point. My mom was, I remember my mom being so mad. She's like, that man's a living saint. They're calling him the Antichrist. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a hard one when you, when you grew up with him and he, like, there's so many people who are JP two Catholics, you know? I just think we all need to be worried or more concerned about cults of personality, whether yeah. it's, you know, your, your, your normie cult of JP2, your trad cult of Lefebvre. Once again, once again I'm not saying any of these guys were bad or, or anything like that. Uh, I rather like Lefebvre, but I'm just saying like, oh, look what happened with Father Jackson. You yeah. know, the cult of personality that's still trying to defend them. We just need to be careful of that sort of thing. The only cult of personality, the only cults we should care about are the cults of the saints. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I was, I was more a Benedict guy too. So um, I was like, when, when Benedict got elected, I was like ecstatic. Like that was right around my conversion. Like when Benedict got elected, I was ecstatic. Like, are you kidding me? Like God's Rottweilers, the Pope. And he came out and he was meek. And he didn't do much, but it could have been worse, right? I we mean, could. We, we've seen what we we could have had ten more years of uh, Francis. That's what's eight, funny about that. Like Francis years. was supposed to be elected during that conclave. Yes. Yep, they say Francis was was number was number two. It was almost conclave. like God granted us a little mercy, uh, a, a brief respite from. Ooh, we got a. Got a controversy. Y'all think JP2 is a saint. Um, I honestly, I have to, I still think the church has the ability to canonize. I would say it is, uh, it's like a sententia, sententia serta teaching that the, the canonizations are, uh, a secondary object of infallibility. So, so that means that we have to believe on pain of mortal sin that, and canonizations are infallible. So yes, I believe JP two is in heaven. Do so, I believe well, it's prudential yeah, to name him a saint? I don't know. It's not up to me. I don't think they should name any saint, anyone a saint right away. Yeah, like it's just bad like first, judgment, right? Like you don't know what's going to come out. I mean, it took longer to, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how long it took to canonize Pius the 10th. Um, I, I would imagine it was longer than than to canonize JP two, but like, I mean, so Pius the tenth, for instance, was canonized under the old system, where there was the devil's advocate to argue against him, to dig every single thing up that could be used to say this man is not a saint and present it. And do you know the one thing that they found? The devil's so the 
and I don't know, like, I don't have a source for this, but traditionally it said that the one thing found against Pius X, the one thing the devil's advocate could find is that he one time, well, they found two things. One, he liked his cigarettes a little too much. <laughs> and two, he one time said a low mass under 25 minutes, possibly because he needed a cigarette. Now, that's why he's one of my favorites, by the way. <laughs> like, I love that he he's, needed his the, Newport. he's in the Vatican Garden smoking a cigarette. It's like one of my favorite parts about him. It's like <laughs> Newports didn't exist back then. He was probably smoking non-filtered palm oils. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, come on. He smoked every day. Definitely not a saint. So, yeah, it's like I, I just think that um, I think like even like I'm glad Francis didn't right away try to make Benedict, you know, canonize Benedict because he made comments one time. They're like, oh, what do you think about Benedict? And he goes, well, I think, you know, when he'll he'll be made because Benedict, I mean, Francis wants to canonize every pope since the council because it's his way of canonizing the councils. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like and and Don made a good point. It's like JP, two, he doesn't have a problem with Paul. The six is a hard one, like just for his lack of fortitude and standing up to the enemies of the church like that's a that's a rough one like if a devil's advocate really went through that cause it'd be like are you kidding me and like the thing is like kind of along what vincent is saying here not so much um the suffering because you know i don't know what sort of suffering paul the six might have had but like these men as far as we know received last rites right like they re- they would have received confession if possible they would have received an an apostolic pardon like so we believe that these things will get you to heaven and the apostolic pardon we believe gets you to heaven right away yeah so if they received last rites they should be in heaven and and not to mention even if they did have time in purgatory they had a billion catholics praying for their souls yeah like i have no problem believing like that that they're in heaven and they're a saint in that sense yeah, but the, but the whole point of a saint raising someone to the altars is that we should look to emulate their life. Right. Their life should be an example of heroic. Yeah, virtue. like there was never a cult around Paul VI. There still isn't. That's what I mean. There was He's never a canonized a, saint and no one prays to him. Nobody. Like Except Mike Lewis, maybe. Maybe Mike Lewis. <laughs> I don't even think he does. I think he's too trad for him. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So um, why don't you bring up the Italy's and Catholics diminish in number and no longer know their faith? Okay. So this is actually an article from the SSPX. uh, And Anthony Stein, I grabbed the article from one of his videos. So uh, if you guys aren't subscribed to, uh, what is it, Return to Tradition is his channel? Yes. I think that's his channel. So, yeah, he he does great news stories every day. You know, not much commentary to him. He just kind of gives you the story and. I enjoy his channel. So Italy is full of splendid churches that are emptying. Christianity has become a clear minority in Italy. This is revealed by a new maxi demographic survey carried out by the monthly Timon. Oh, whatever. All right. Not only are you're there- Italian and you don't know how to pronounce that. I can, but I mean, going to come out like new york guinea it's not going to come out like real italian <laughs> not only are there a few practicing catholics but many of them are unaware of the most rudimentary elements of the faith more than a third of the italian population 37 percent, declare themselves non-believers while those who declare themselves believers and catholics and who 
Those who declare themselves believers and Catholics who attend mass represent only 13% of the total population. According to the study, this is a dwindling minority composed of a few young people and older faithful. The, this may be what Our Lady of La Salette meant by Rome will lose the faith, right? Could be. It's not. Could, it's not. Could have been geographically, yeah. Right, yeah, like Rome will lose the faith, right? Um, among those who declare themselves as believers and say they go to Mass at least once a month, only 33% of Catholics confess at least once a year, while 32%, this is out of people who go to Mass. People who go to Mass, mm-hmm. 33% or less confess once a year. Thirty-two. That, you're not following the five precepts of the church. That means they're not even... They're not even Catholic in good standing, even though they're going to Mass. Um, while 32% do not know the meaning of the Eucharist, which is pretty shocking. That's actually better than American statistics. Yeah, we're 30%, right? Well, that was of all people saying they're Catholic. I think polls done of people who go to Mass, it's, it's still higher. like 50% of Americans yeah. don't believe in the Eucharist. The other data contained in the study published are equally discouraging for the future of the church. In fact, fewer than six in 10 practitioners know what confession is. Wow. Fewer than six in 10 know what it is? Know what it is. Fewer than six in 10. That means forty. only 40% of Catholics know what confession is. Uh, 66% of practitioners are wrong about or unaware of the definition of the resurrection of the body. And that's not all. Since 20% think that sin is a simple wrong done to others. Wow. Dude, this is bad. On the other hand, on ethical issues from abortion to gay marriage, practitioners have a de facto secularized vision, even if there is a clear opposition of believers to surrogacy and the illegalization of drugs. Prayer remains a widespread practice. One in five believers say they pray every day, and 96%. That's not widespread. Only 20% pray every day? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, 20%. Yeah. Say they pray every day. 96% do so at least from time to time. Meanwhile, 7 in 10 who go to Mass believe in the existence of the devil. So, okay, so, uh, and a lot of that prayer is centering prayer during yoga, I bet. Like, like when people say they pray, like they're not doing mental prayer. They're not, maybe not even the rosary. Like they're just, oh, God, thank you for this. Or Mm -hmm. uh, uh, please help him with it. Like 90% of people's prayers are prayers for you know, uh, supplication and like, they're not, it's not Thanksgiving. It's not. Yeah. It's like, do this for me and thank you for this. Right. Um, having a musical guest to start the show is genius. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So these figures are similar to those of the sociological survey published in 2021 by the Italian Episcopal conference, which also reported a decrease in weekly attendance at mass from 31% in 95 to 22% in 2020. That's less than America. Religiosity thus continues to lose the element of participation in Sunday mass down 9% from 95 to 2020. That's more than America. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, the people that go to mass is more than America. How many? How many? How many percentage of Catholics go to mass? Twelve to fifteen. After In America, wow. Yeah, it was about twenty. And it never bounced before. back. It was about twenty percent before COVID, and it's been twelve to fifteen percent since. This is the total collapse of the church. Like we're looking at a complete collapse, man. This is crazy. So now, so this is look. This is not even factoring in the amount of, like, the percentage of 
that we went down in baptisms, right? So it's like, at a, we're talking about just people who claim to be Catholic. Yeah. Like that still identify as Catholic, mm-hmm. which is crazy because like we've lost so many people who even get baptized in the faith anymore. Um, this study shows the loss of the Catholic sense, the origin of which lies in the profound ignorance of the faith among the Italian population in general, and even among practicing Catholics. This ignorance has its origin not only in the secularization of society, but also in a rupture and transmission, the origin of, of which is dated back to the mid-1960s. It really, <laughs> like, I, I understand it wasn't just the council. But man, right. that council, man, they just... That council did damage. Right, because we both agree, like, the council is, is not the origin of the issue. No. The council was an attempt to to right the ship. But instead, I think it could be pretty easily argued that it, instead it sunk the ship. But it's not the, yeah. it's not the, it's not the cause. Yeah, of the it, it, yeah I agree. Wait, didn't, didn't somebody tell us this on our show? Who was our last guest? Who was that? We just talked. What, it was a Kennedy? Kennedy. Yep. Kennedy. Kennedy told us that. That's right. Okay. Um, so even independent and often non-believer sociologists are able to say, write, and demonstrate it. It is only the men of the church who do not see it and persist in a suicidal attitude for Catholicism, the responsibility for which they bear on their shoulders. But if they count on word on the world synod to restore things, they are laboring under an astounding illusion. Listen, this is where you want to see what the outcome of those, the synod's going to be. Look to the Anglican church. Mm-hmm. Look to the Anglican church. Like, why are we following in the footsteps of the Anglican church? It has literally decimated the faith in England. They, like you guys don't realize how lucky we are that we have a, or, that we have a Bishop sample, that we have a Bishop Strickland, that we still have Paprocki, like that. We still have a few bishops in America that we even have Baron. Yeah. Listen, Baron catches a lot of grief. That I, I think Baron believes the faith, though. Like he believes the faith. Like he, he has some, he has a, a very von Balthasar-y way of looking at hell, and I disagree with him one hundred percent with that. But he believes the faith, right? Like he's he 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 does have the desire to evangelize. That's the whole point of Word on Fire. He's trying to bring people into the church. He's doing what he can. <laughs> what? Uh, Don starting a rumor. What did Don say? The mid- oh, hold on, it it's gonna load in a second. Oh boy, I was a Baron fan. <laughs> yep, ever since uh, Baron moved to Minnesota, you know, I'm you just, betcha. I'm just trying to be fair, right? Like I don't. First of all, you, you do no good by bashing bishops. Like you just don't. Like whatever. I mean, the bad ones, whatever. But like Baron's not. He's not an enemy of the church. He's he's an enemy of the liturgy. <laughs> he's an enemy of some things but he's not an enemy of the church the guy you know he's i i think he operates in good faith you know i'll say that i do too uh, i and i i want to be fair to people and i don't want to i don't want to be that channel that just goes right. and bashes people so <clears throat> the thing is like we still do have some good bishops they don't have that in england anywhere like none. There's not a single one. And the few that would have spoken up under Benedict are done. Like they got told shut up and they have shut up. And I, I, I heard that on from Gavin Ashenden on his Catholic unscripted episode when they were talking about the synod last episode. Like he was the one that said that I'm not just making that up. He's 
in England. And he's like, it's, well, it's that beyond any of the decent bishops or even higher standing priests that priests, bishops, right. Uh, that they did have, have come over in the last few years. Wait, I'm sorry. Father Dave Nick sent me something. I thought it was an article and it was a video. So I thought we were going to read it. <clears throat> Wait, what'd you say? I was just saying any of the good, uh, you know, so-called bishops or priests that they, that they have had have come back to Rome in the last couple of years. Really? Yeah. There, there's been a few, I mean, they, there was just one announced within the last week, uh, an Anglican bishop. Oh, oh, Anglicans converted. coming to Rome. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. 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 Now that guy, um, so the thing is like, ah, uh, man, like, all right. So we were going to ask Gavin and Calvin Robinson on the same episode. Like we were going to, and um, <laughs> should I say this? <laughs> what Gavin said? I never know what you're going to say. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, get, uh, Gavin um, cautioned us. Uh, yeah. So basically he said, look, I, I don't mind. I'll come on with Calvin. He goes, but it will get contentious because Calvin actually thinks he's Catholic, but he's not. And it's like, it's, it's like, um, and we're going to get Calvin on. So I don't want this to ever be like us, but it's, it's like, you know, he, he just, he, he talks like a Catholic, which is why so many people are shocked. It's like, Calvin, why are you not becoming Catholic? You talk like a Catholic. You're praying your rosary. You're reading Thomas Aquinas. You're doing all these things. Like, yeah, why are you see, not Catholic? He's like, I am Catholic. It's like, no, dude, you're not Catholic. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's, he just, he just cautioned. He said, look, I'll come on, but it might get contentious because I can't, like, I'll never call him Father Calvin. Like, it's just, I'm not going to. He's not, you know, and it's, and he had a good point. So, um, and, and Gavin, Gavin also said, like, Calvin's gone through a lot of struggles to be, to get his, the ordination that he has gotten. Why? Would and he's he, not a priest either. He's a deacon. He's a he's transitional a deacon. deacon. Yeah. But why would he? Um, why would he threaten that, and go through you know more trouble when he thinks he is Catholic already? Right. So it's like what Gavin Ashenden went through. If you guys never watched our interview with the first interview with Gavin he told us like what he went through when he tried to get ordained. Like he tried to become a, a Catholic priest. Um, <laughs> is that a packet of reports I see in Rob's room? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, he told us the story of what happened when he went to get ordained. And it was like it, the, the, what they put that man through. He you, just said, you, whatever you could tell it to this day. It still really hurts him. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But he also will say, like, okay, I know that these things are happening in the Catholic Church and they're mimicking the Anglican Church, but this is the church to save. Like, this is where you bring the fight. You bring the fight to save mm -hmm. the Catholic Church. This is the only church you can save. Yeah. It's the church that Christ instituted. This is the one we have to save. So, like, even before this show, uh, Rob had said to me, he's like, I'm just so done with the eschatology stuff. Like, it's just, I don't care about the end time stuff anymore. It's like, like we could get caught up in curiosity and it could, it could, it could be dangerous. Right. It's never been my cup of tea. Yeah. So where I actually do find it a little exciting. And so it, it's like, I, I feel like what we're coming up on is something where it's like, we have to figure out what we're going to do. Right. Like, like we, we made the decision to actually start 
talking about these things and not not eschatology i'm saying just the the problems in the church right like we've we've decided like okay we can't pretend up is down anymore and when something happens we'll we'll address it we'll try to be as respectful as we can but we're going to talk about these things right yeah and you can only show so many snuff videos on the channel before <laughs> before it becomes more prudent to just talk about the stuff happening in the church it's like yeah but we also don't want to be drama merchants right no like, no like we don't ever want to be drama merchants, so it's like it's a tight balance. Like you really do have to, you know, figure out how you want to do things. So then the uh, see, I'm the, not the only one, Aunt Samantha uh, says thank no, you, more, Rob. no, no more, no more doomsday, doomsday talk. talk. I've got enough to worry about avoiding groceries. Being a good man, good mom. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we, we'll only discuss those things if like an exciting guest comes on that knows his stuff. Like I don't like. I shouldn't say I'm not like like, yeah. The discussions can be intellectually stimulating and connecting them to typology and the past is is fun and interesting stuff like that. But in, in the end, I, I I think you would agree with this 100 percent too, Anthony. But in the end, it's not going to affect how I live my life. Oh yeah, raise no, my no, family. No. Right, right. Whether the world ends tomorrow or 2,000 years from now, I'm not going <laughs> to know it either way, and I just got to live my life. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> Don, Don's wife's like a prepper, and like she's like, <laughs> uh, "Do you guys watch EWTN, The Journey Home?" I've seen so many Journey Home episodes, Tom. Yeah, that's Don's By the wife's. Way, this is Don's wife's website, so go please check it out. Yes, um, I've watched so many Journey Home episodes. I actually reached out to Marcus Grodi's son, uh, John Grodi, John John Mark, John Mark Grodi, to yeah. see if he wanted to come on. That was when he just started taking over for his father. And he said, listen, I'm really busy right now. Maybe maybe give me a few months. And so maybe I'll reach back out to him and uh, see if he wants to come on. Because uh, the journey home was so pivotal in my conversion. Like, I loved hearing Protestants' conversion stories. Like, it taught me so much about the faith. I've, I've since coming back, um, yeah, I've listened to a lot of them, too. I mean, of course, it's you all can guess like the first conversion story I listened to. Right. It's of course, Scott Hahn. I oh, mean, was it? Oh yeah. Oh, mine too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost everyone's first, like, you know, conversion yeah. story that catches, but so I, I love listening to them too. And I don't know why. Cause I'm like, cause I'm a cradle Catholic. And even when well, I was practicing, I still believe, you know, I never left. The, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think for me, it was like, hearing the 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 cost right like he, the, i still love a good conversion story that's why i'm gonna ask keith nestor about his conversion story right i asked well, joshua you, charles about his you, you want to hear john henry weston's conversion story. i want to hear john henry weston's i love yeah. a conversion story because you always like to see like first off as a protestant convert like you're leaving everything to like you're leaving sometimes your your job sometimes you're leaving mm -hmm. your family sometimes your wife doesn't come along with you it's like i it, it's just so it, contentious it, to be. it is um it'd be so most of the the protestant to catholic conversion stories you hear they do tend to be like protestant pastors converting yeah i wonder if that's kind of a, a selection bias no, so those are the ones that are most interesting and they're the ones that get the most traction or is there really like a, a disproportionate number of Protestant pastors that convert compared to, you know, just your in the folding chair Protestant? So, okay. So the journey home 
the Coming Home Network was set up to help Protestant pastors because Marcus Grodi was a Protestant pastor. And he's like, mm -hmm. I, if there are Protestant pastors out there, like they need to know they can figure something else out. Maybe we'll help them get a book deal. Maybe we'll help them, you know, we'll help them integrate their life to becoming Catholic. And so, I mean, Taylor Marshall was on there. I mean, everybody who, what's funny is like those, those Protestant converts of the eighties and nineties, the, the uh, Stephen Ray. And I mean, it's so many of them are the reason we know our faith so well, because they put such great catechetical stuff out because they read their way into the church through the fathers mm -hmm. and the Catholic church was not putting anything out like that. It's like, so you saw the, you saw the big hoopla on hoopla. Who says hoopla? <laughs> you saw the big fiasco. What the hell is wrong with me? I, I just said hoopla. <laughs> Old timey talk with Anthony Abate, folks. I just said hoopla. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> there was a big ordeal on Twitter the other day because Gee the golly, Anthony. <laughs> I had to turn Matt Pratt off the other day because he says golly, and I'm like, oh, especially golly. in his accent, it's just like golly. Stop. I had to turn him off. And I love Matt's show. Matt, especially if he has a good guest on, but he's like, golly. I'm like, All right, <laughs> enough. Like, settle down. Golly. Um, so that uh so all the speakers at the Eucharistic Congress are basically Franciscan guys, right? So you got like Father Mike Schmitz, you got all the and you know, the where Peter is crowd was going nuts over. It's like, oh, they think it's still twenty thirteen. Father oh, Mike's you, a Caitlin. Franciscan guy. Uh, who? Father Mike, he didn't go to Franciscan, I don't think. No, but he's with that crowd. Like he is. You mean he's like a a, a, a conservative? Uh, maybe they should have said like Lighthouse Catholic Media crowd. Like they, they 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 did pick a very. Why don't you pull that up? See who's speaking at the Eucharistic Congress. Maybe we could find that. So like the the where Peter is crowd. It was the typical guys. Is Mike Lewis. D.W. Lafferty and all those guys, they're all like, the bishops think it's still 2013, and uh, I don't know why that these are the people that they're choosing. D.W., you mean the guy that had the uh, the fetish about the... Yeah. 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 He said, all right, so well, maybe we could get into that, because we never got into that last week. <laughs> I can't. Gee whiz, everybody's making fun of me. Now. I'm rightfully so, you guys are making fun of me. Um, and, and Jeff Cavins has one of my favorite talks on Lighthouse was uh, a fan or follower of Jesus, right? Like he had that talk. It was like, are you a fan or are you a follower? And he really, you know, it was, I mean, those guys, they taught me. Okay. So let's see, you got Baron, Father Mike Schmitz, um, Chris Stefanik. Um, like these are very Franciscan speakers. Um, but I don't know why they got, I mean, they got Katie Prejean in there. Why are they not happy about that? Uh, who else? Scroll up anymore? Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's like three people. I don't know what they make. I mean, that's the only ones I recognize, right? Do you recognize anybody else? Like that Katie Prejean McGrady. She's like a she's like a leftist. She's like Dawn Eden, basically. <laughs> I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're getting mad, at. but I guess they saw Father Mike, Bishop Barron, and Chris Stefanik on there, and they they were having a hissy fit. Um. <laughs> I just realized my mic was muted through that whole thing. Why would you say? I was just I was just saying like 
Katie McGrady rails against the death penalty. Like you said, she's basically a left gath. She's Dawn Eden. Huh? She's like Dawn Eden. Like Almost, she's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. I've served mass for Bishop Cousins when he was a priest, but uh, this isn't even like a really conservative oh, go to the, lineup. Go to the bottom. Go to the way bottom. The last, the last, uh, that, okay. So no, 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 the the bishop there. So he's the new, um, bishop in the Bronx. He's the new auxiliary bishop in New York. Um, I actually like him. His father, he, is he one of the Franciscans in, in New York too? He's on EWTN. Isn't he as one of the like three? He might be. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, so you serve mass for cousins. Yeah. How is he? I mean, solid. I would say pretty good. Yeah, the bishop on the, the the new auxiliary bishop for New York is solid too. Like he, I mean, look, he's very Novus Ordo bishop. You know, like he's not a traditionalist or anything. But I mean, I don't. At this point, you just want guys who believe the Catholic faith and 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 preach the the Orthodox faith. Like if if you could get a priest or a bishop who's not talking about rainbow issues in a positive light, it's like, oh, we love the guy. It's crazy. Yeah. Michael often was on the journey home. Then afterwards, he left the church and became ortho. Probably the only time that happened. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to talk about about no anybody, comment. Yeah, no comment. Um, the Albany debacle. What's the Albany debacle? Oh, uh, why does that sound familiar? I don't know the Albany debacle. It's. I feel like I've heard something about it, but I didn't read it. So, like, Father Mike Schmitz, like, I listen to his homilies every week on the way to Mass with my kids. My kids love him. Yeah. My kids love him. I mean, he's just, he's got a great way of explaining things. He's just, I mean, you know, he's just, I. I oh, yep. That's oh, right. the old bishop got married. The, one of the former bishops was asking to get laicized so he could get married. They didn't grant laicization, so he went and had a ceremony. As they put it, he attempted marriage, um, and now they might actually laicize him for it. Well, he should be excommunicated. Yeah, but we don't like, do that anymore, remember? Not That's even laicized. That should be excommunicated. Like that, you're not Catholic anymore. You, you, how do you, I don't know. How old is the guy? He's older. What are you doing? I don't know. Is it that important? I, and like, I didn't read the article, so I'm wondering if it's even. It, it, did he try to marry a woman? Because that's, <laughs> that's not a, a given. good question. It's not. That's it's, not even a given these days. No, and the thing is, if if it's not a woman, then I understand why he did it. <laughs> but if it, if it is a woman, saying it's he's 84. 84. Come on, dude. You need. Come on. You only no have like ten more years to just live out your vocation. This no way. You know what? He was probably already having an affair, and he just yeah, I'm sure he didn't want to live a lie anymore. I mean, oh, that's how yeah, these people justify it. It was his caretaker. <laughs> she's probably sixty. He's probably got a ton of money, and she's like, oh, yeah, a, t- a ton of our not our like yeah. in Albany, but He's a ton of Albany's money. money. Yeah. Uh, and then you want to all right? So Pee Wee Herman. We'll do Pee Wee Herman, and then we do. Well, I want to talk about the. The Vatican considering the Mayan rite of mass after Mexican bishops overwhelmingly approve it. So maybe we'll do that first, and then we'll end with Pee Wee Herman on a light note. I'm not sure why he brings this up, but he's 100% right. 
And since then, only Mussolini had success in the 20s and 30s. And all he was really good at was getting the trains to run on time. If you ever ask any Italian what they think of Mussolini, they secretly liked him. Like, they, they can't say it because, you know, he was a fascist. But, like, if you, if you mention Mussolini to any Italian who migrated to America, they'll go, he made the trains run on time. It's like a – Which, a if you know say. anything about Italy – that is a miracle. This man was a miracle worker. <laughs> Every old giddy I work with that like is from the from the mother country. It's like, whoa, 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 talk, tell me about Mussolini. He made the chase run on time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Every one of them. Oh man. Um, all right. So let's bring up this. All right. So this is a LifeSite news Which article. Uh, John Henry Weston. We're a little upset with because he's still not responding to my text. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get him this clip. Um, yeah, it's like New Yorkers and Giuliani. Yeah, Giuliani. He could have gone down as a with a legacy after 9/11. He, he had to get involved oh. with Trump. He oh. had to go down that road and be the sweaty guy with his with his hair dye dripping down his face during the election fraud stuff. Did you ever see that video? No. Giuliani up there, and he's got his hair dye dripping down his face. It's the most embarrassing thing in the world. Jeez. Uh, Anthony makes me homesick for the neighborhood guys in Philly. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's get into this. All right. The Mayan Rite contains various pagan elements and new liturgical offices, including a principal and an incessor who takes on roles of the priest. They call that... <laughs> Don't they just call that a thurifer? <laughs> like, oh, incensor. Oh, I said incessor. I'm like, what's an incessor? Incensor. So well, somebody that is just someone who the- does very bad things. With- yeah. <laughs> so it's somebody that waves the thurible, I guess. Um, Mexico's Catholic bishops have overwhelmingly approved and sent to Rome their proposals for a Mayan rite of the mass, which incorporates lay leadership and apparent elements of idolatry. LifeSite has received a copy of the text, now being examined by the Vatican and presents elements of it below. On July 25th, the Mexican Bishops Conference has submitted its proposals for an indigenous liturgical adaptation of the Mass to the Vatican's congregation. Now, doc, now it's a dicastery for divine worship and the discipline of the sacraments. The Emeritus Bishop of San Cristobal de la Casas. Dickistry. Dickistry. That's Mark. Mark <laughs> called it a dickistry. <laughs> the Emeritus Bishop of San Cristobal de la Casas, Cardinal Felipe. I, I could do Spanish words better than... Uh, Italian words, described the proposed rite as advancing the progress of enculturation of the church in the native peoples and of taking responsibility for the celebration of Holy Mass with some elements what? of these cultures. Why are we You're- not inv- advancing, like converting people? What do I care about enculturation if no one goes to Mass? But wait, Mexico has been converted to Catholicism for 500 years. There are no more Mayans. No, instead, there's a bunch of Mormons and JWs and and they're Protestants because of the yeah because of the lack of catechesis from the Catholic hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You have evangelicals, Mormons, and Jehovah's Witnesses, and all of them going down and actually pulling these people out of the church. And instead of the church addressing that, what they're doing is going, "Let's put some paganism in our mass. That'll help." <laughs> That's literally what's happening. So. Uh, so, all right, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was more or less going to say what you're about to read. So, all right, go ahead. You do it. 
Erzmendi is one of the chief proponents of the initiative, and he has a record of overseeing the ordination of female deacons, which of course is impossible, and of formulating an indigenous rite of the mass has received notable support from Francis. Okay. So you, you texted me something earlier today um, along the lines of... I texted you a lot of things. Yeah, I know, but about this. Uh, like along the lines of... Like if you go to the Novus Ordo and defend it, like in principle, you can't have a problem with this, right? The, the difference between what this is suggested to be in the Novus Ordo largely is a difference of degree, not of, of kind. The one, the one possible difference of kind would be if they really did include like an actual idolatrous aspect to this, where they really are worshiping, say, a Pachamama. Um, that would be like the one difference of, of kind. Otherwise, it's just a difference of deg- degree. Like it's just another committee designing uh, a write out of thin air that's non apostolic that really has no connection to any former previous, right? Like you can't be against this and yet still say the Novus Ordo is the Roman right because you, on principle, you can't hundred. I agree with you totally on that. Like, do you think this will wake more people up to the, like, cause Some. I feel like, I feel like this is like, <clears throat> if they do it with a Mayan, right. They're going to also do it with uh, Amazonian, Amazonian, right? They're going to do it with every indigenous people you can imagine. They'll do it with the Canadian indigenous. They'll do it with the New Zealand indigenous. And they're just going to just water down the actual Catholic mass even more than it already is in the Novus Ordo. And And like, so where will, where will this right fall? What, what, which one of the 24 churches in the Catholic Church will have fallen? Are they going to consider it still the Novus Ordo, like the Roman Rite? Yes. I'm sure that will be what it it will be like the Zaire use, right? So, what happened to the unique expression of the Roman Rite? Doesn't it, it doesn't exist. How can a, how can it be a unique expression when the Novus Ordo has a million different possible combinations? There's no logic to any of this. There's, so they're going to claim this is still, the unique expression of the Roman right? It will be the Mayan use of the Roman right. So what's the Zaire use? Is that that's in Africa? Yeah. It's a it's where they a, do like liturgical dancing and stuff like that. Yeah, it's an African enculturated uh liturgy that's considered a use of the Novus Ordo Rite. When did that come about? I don't know about the I don't know about the Zaire use. I mean, there's other rites in the Latin Church, of course. You know, you have the the Mozo Arabic. You have the the different Gallican rites. You have the Ambrosian rites. But are all of those a play on the Novus Ordo, or those? No, those are all separate rites and actually are have apostolic origins. Okay, so that's they're all part of the Latin Church, but they are considered separate rites from the Roman rite. So, so the Zaire use is that a Novus Ordo, or is that well? Zaire use of the Roman rite. Now, does Zaire use have any connection to the TLM, the traditional Roman rite? Of course not. It's just no. an enculturated Novus Ordo. All right, but the, dancing, the, the it's mainly ordinari- just dancing and music that they added there, right? Like the ordinariate is the Anglican or ordinariate use of the Roman rite, of the Novus Ordo rite. Right, but the, all right, so the ordinariate, though, isn't a Novus Ordo mass. 
right? It's a different liturgy. It's it's basically the Cranmer liturgy, but it's considered a use of the Roman rite. And of course, like you said, the unique expression of the Roman rite is the Novus Ordo. Yeah, that's preposterous. Mm-hmm. That's preposterous. Especially, like, you can't even get a, a Roman rite, <laughs> you can't even get a Novus Ordo in one diocese to look the same. <laughs> like, no. you really can't. Like, you go to you go to three different parishes in my diocese in Rockville Center, and every one of them will look, I mean, you, they'll have the same you, structure, but you're going to get some wacky stuff. You can go to the Novus Ordo celebrated by the same priest at the same parish, Two or you know three, two or three times in the day, and it will be a completely different mass because for the you know the the uh, the old people that go to the earlier mass, they need the traditional liturgy, even though it's just uh, the Novus Ordo liturgy with you know sixties folk hymns, and then you have a contemporary liturgy later in the day, which has the rock band playing with tambourines. Yeah, you're like, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could be the same priest celebrating. The kids' mass. Yeah. The kids' mass always drove me nuts with the puppets. Like they like when I was a kid, there was a there was a priest who did the kids' mass and he had puppets out, and then we all found out that he is a kid toucher. <laughs> of course he's doing the kids' mass with the puppets and getting everybody <laughs> to come near him. Yeah. No, I'm just here to evangelize the children. Yeah, one of one of our priests when I was growing up, um one of the priests we had after our longtime priest passed away, he uh he liked he played Chubby Bunny. With uh, with all the youth groups, you know where you stuff all the you marshmallows, stuff marshmallows. You know where people have choked to death and died. He yeah. was laid to have to have found uh, to have had inappropriate relationships. Of course, with not sexual, but I don't know why they were inappropriate. But he was uh, he was yeah he was put away for a few years. These <laughs> <laughs> guys. Um, so Tyler says uh, the Anglican Ordinary uses the Novus Ordo lectionary. Now let me tell you something. I actually. The problem with the Novus Ordo lectionary is not the lectionary. It's that they stripped away all of the the meaningful language from it. Like they took out all the hard passages, any references to hell, any references to uh, uh, wifely submission and Ephesians. Like they took out all of the challenging. They don't even read the part where Paul says you condemn yourself if you receive there unworthily. You Right. So they, they took out all of the challenging readings, but the lectionary itself, like there's something awesome about when, if you get like, they'll, they'll read an old Testament reading and then the new Testament fulfillment. So you'll see the typology fulfilled in that, in that mass, mm-hmm. but no priest ever addresses it. And the sermon. It's not, it's not like in the in the homily you're hearing the priest break it down and go, okay, well, look, this is what happens in the Old Testament and it's fulfilled in the New. Like there could be amazing catechetical moments if these priests understood typology even, but they had such poor formation, they don't even know the faith. Yeah. What one of the more egregious changes, in my opinion, to and it, this isn't so much the actual like uh, lectionary of the mass, but the, the liturgy of the hours, you know, like the divine office that like the priests used, you used to read the whole Psalter, right? All 150 Psalms. It used to be once a week back before Pius the 10th. Um, but like that, those, like that's all the priests could do throughout a day, basically at that point. So Pius the 10th changed it, whether that was right or wrong, who knows? Um, but they would, you'd still over a period of time read all 150 psalms. You'd pray all 150 psalms. Yeah. 
the 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 liturgy of the hours removed entire psalms, all the imprecatory and dumbed down and softened the language on on so many of mm -hmm. them. Um, yes, the Lutherans do use the Novus Ordo lectionary. My wife yep. was a Missouri Synod Lutheran. I used to argue the readings with her pastor when I first yeah, the, like started taking my faith serious. The Protestants. Um, I don't know who who the what the first group did it, but they created the, what they call the common lectionary, and a lot of the mainline Protestant sects use it, and it was modeled after the the Novus Ordo lectionary. Yeah, yeah, man, it's just a sorry state of affairs we all are dealing with. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh man. Well, okay. So then this week we had Sinead O'Connor and Pee Wee Herman passed. Wait, who was the first one? Sinead O'Connor. Um, so is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. How would I thought you? it was Sinead or No, Sinead. I, I honestly had no idea who, who yeah, Sinead O'Connor. Um, so Sinead O'Connor passed and I I wrote a tweet saying um I I I pray she made her peace with God. I know she lived a troubled life. That's all I, I said. I pray she made her peace with God. I I know she had a troubled life. Mm -hmm. I got lambasted. Well, right? everyone, yeah, telling me, God, you you do it. You put you post that reply on like the big news story. You know, the big secular news story. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> come on now, admit you you do it, knowing you're going to get those responses. So I I posted I I wrote you know I said I I pray she made peace with God. I know she lived a troubled life, and everybody comes down at me. Why don't you take the speck out of your eye? Why don't you take the log out of your own eye before you point the speck out in her eye? You make her. You make Christians look bad. You're the reason I'll never go to church. This is all the comments I'm getting. I'm like, I prayed course, for the woman's soul. Here's the here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. You, publicly, you're like, but you're like, why are you upset with me? Private, you're like, Haha, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> you know what you did? You pulled a Joe Boca. <laughs> so that Pee Wee Herman died, and we all know, like Pee Wee Herman got in trouble for. Um, I was just, there was some sort of child sex thing theater. there, right? No, it wasn't child sex. It was he was in a theater and he exposed himself. Oh, and yeah. okay. Was yep. you know, whatever, doing something. Uh, so he got arrested for that. So I said something similar. I said, uh, "What did I write oh, today?" Something similar on the secular news story on the again. News story. <laughs> I said, "I pray he made his peace with God." Some along that line, and it's like, but it's like I pray that I make peace with God and that people pray for me when I die. I don't understand how that's judgmental. But you don't put that in that same tweet. You wait until they respond angrily and uh. then you say that. <laughs> and I know how much fun you have with on air. You're not supposed to call me out on air. Well, it, it's like when I, here's a, I'll, I'll be uh, perfectly honest and uh, self-reflective here. <laughs> It's the same thing I do when I post a tweet critical of the Novus Ordo and wait for someone to say something about me being a trad. And then I just reply, but I go to the Novus Ordo every week. <laughs> I'm at the Novus Ordo every week. I don't even go to the Latin Mass. <laughs> it's just very, people are very easy to rile up. It is funny uh, how easily people get riled up, man. I still get people mad at me when I post my women's stinking driving posts. 
Like people call me misogynist. It has gone down. A lot of people have realized what it is. But I got a I got a I got a lunatic today telling me what oh, this is what he said. I I said something about women drivers and he wrote, What are you gonna do when they impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris becomes president, you misogynist? Laugh? I, I mean, what are we supposed to do? I don't care who the president is. You think I care who the president is? How does my life change when the presidents change? <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> things were pretty good under Trump, I gotta say. He, he, yeah, I mean, if if Trump was president, I don't think we'd be funding a proxy war in Ukraine. Yeah. And I don't think we'd be about to fund a proxy war in Africa like we're about to. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Like, first off, they they had drones strike Moscow today. And yes, do. All right. You really think that Moscow, well, first off, we say Ukraine did, but like Moscow, Russia knows it's a proxy war with America. It's American drones paid for with American dollars, pilots trained by Americans. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm. Look, I have a 17-year-old son. He turns 18 in December, and I and I watch this stuff, and I'm just like, and I watch people supporting the Ukraine. I see the Ukrainian flags. I'm like, you idiots. Like, don't you know what they're doing right now? Like, don't you see? Like, do you not think America knows exactly what it's doing by striking Moscow? Like, they are trying to amp this thing up. Well, and it's <clears throat> like Adrian said, like, for those who, who aren't following or only follow what, like, the news media says, like, Ukraine is lost. This this big summer offensive, spring offensive, that was supposed to just wipe the the Russians away, it it failed weeks ago. Like, I mean, there's they're shooting soldiers that are leaving the front lines because they're terrified. Like they know they're gonna they're going in to be slaughtered. So they're just, like, they're they're shooting runaways. Like the, you know, like you'll have you know a, a a Russian position sit there take out in an entire Ukrainian battalion and then fall back a mile. And the Ukrainians will think, Oh, we, you know, we, we took a mile. It's like, yeah, but if that's just of your own territory, Russia's just waiting. Russia's bleeding them dry until there's nothing in front of them anymore, you know, until they, and then there's no one. Yeah. I but I think this whole strike Moscow thing is the U S knows Ukraine cannot win this war. So they need Russia they're provoking Russia to yes. attack NATO. Yes. <clears throat> They're provoking Russia to attack a NATO country so that they have an excuse to send NATO in full force on Russia. Right, because so far there hasn't <clears throat> been anything that would actually legitimately trigger Article 5. Nope. No, Russia's smart, dude. They know what they're doing. They're at, so like, But they're, if their capital, Moscow is Russia. Like, Moscow is their capital. Like, you can't think that a drone strike in Moscow three times in the past two weeks is not going to trick. Like I'm in New York, man. Plus it's complete. There's no point to it. I don't even know if they killed anyone. And even if they did, what what are they doing? Killing a 20 year old Russian girl, hundreds yeah. of miles away from the border for what? It doesn't stop the artillery that's raining down. On I, th- I think they are trying to provoke Russia into doing something to a NATO country so that they have an excuse to go full force with NATO. And that'll be a wrap. Like, it's just crazy what's going on right now. And, and I think people, um, from the way the war went the first year, I think people have a warped sense of Russia's capability. Like, like 
everyone thought Russia was just going to sweep in and just destroy them, right? Well, number one, Russia only sent about 70,000 soldiers in on their invasion. And like right now, Russia has 800,000 soldiers on the border in, in defense. Like Russia sent a relatively very small force in, and it was largely as almost as a decoy towards Kiev so that Russia could take the eastern part of Ukraine that has all the resources and has the Russian-speaking population. Like, Russia's little thrust towards Ukraine, or towards Kiev, allowed them to take that with only 70,000 people. And now they have 10 times that number defending it against a Ukrainian military that's been absolutely decimated and is only standing up because America has put all of our money, all of our resources towards propping them up. It's so crazy, dude. I think Russia never intended to just go in and sweep over Ukraine. They always intended to make this a long, dragged out thing, make everybody like like you, you hear our military and like they're like, we're, we're just trying to get Russia to spend up their forces. And we're just, Russia is in this thing for the long haul. They're not going anywhere. I don't know, man. I don't think it was ever going to be this run in and no. sweep through Ukraine and take the whole country. They don't want the whole country. I, I think. I think what we really see is that, especially with the way Russia invaded, is that they really, it it honestly was not their long-term intention to do that. Like, their long-term intention was to keep Ukraine from being a threat to them. Whether that meant um, having them be a political ally, like they were prior to the 2014 color revolution, uh, more or less started by the CIA, or whether it was just to, to... keep them neutral like they just did not the border between russia and ukraine is it's not a defensive border it's open step right so that area of russia is always really rather uh vulnerable so they they need that state that ukrainian state next to them to not be a threat what russia saw in the weeks prior to the invasion was over two thousand um 2,000 cases of Ukrainian forces breaking the ceasefire and firing on Russian militias or Russian-speaking peoples, things like that. And, and I think Russia made possibly the wrong, you know, they, I think the decision to va- invade was still wrong, but it, it wasn't like this pre-thought-out long-term strategy to to take their neighbor, you know, to take and rape yeah. their neighbor. <clears throat> Yeah, this is a weird one, man. I just I just see the war drums getting banged, wars and rumors of wars, and now we see this thing in <clears throat> in Africa happening where in Africa – what's going on in Africa? Did you have the story on that? Yeah, so uh, I can pull up the tweet uh, to show the map. Basically what has happened recently is um, in, in Niger, the – the That's French. How you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you make me. You can't say what it is. Niger. Yeah, pull up is the map. Niger. Um, so here in Niger. <laughs> Look, you guys um, see, I'm letting Rob. Rob knows his stuff when it comes to this stuff. That's why I'm, I'm listening. So th- this area of, of Africa is is French Africa, right? Like this is the area converted by Lefebvre and the Holy Ghost Fathers. Th- these were more or less French uh, client states, uh, mm-hmm. especially like Algeria here towards the top. But Niger had more or less a a French-friendly regime, honestly a French puppet regime. Yeah. And Niger was sending all of their um, uranium. Niger actually has a large uranium de- deposits. Uh, Niger was supplying the 
France with uranium, mostly for French nuclear reactors, but France also does have a nuclear weapons program too. Um, but what happened is, is a, there was a military coup overthrew the French puppet regime, regime in Niger. And then on the map here, you see these other, all these green countries. It's more or less like an international organization supported by France and the U.S. The red countries were kicked out and are suspended from joining. Niger was part of the, of ECOWAS or however you pronounce it. But now they are, because of this coup, also suspended. And these countries in green are saying that they will go to war with these other countries here. And France and U.S. are saying that they will support these countries in green. But oh, wow. the big kicker is Algeria here at the top, the 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 gray colored yeah. country up top here. So they were also a, a French colony, but they're saying that they will allow um, shipments from from Russia and Iran and China through their ports to support Niger and like Mali, because you, you, most of these countries in red here don't have ports. They're landlocked. Yeah. Algier is saying they will allow transfers of military goods to these countries. So we're, I mean, we're looking at like a multinational war here in West Africa where, where Russia is supporting Niger and you, the U S and France are supporting all the green the other nations. Yeah. <clears throat> So you're looking at a proxy war between. So you're just looking at more of the same. This is just another proxy war, and I just saw uh, uh, like the new president of Niger out talking about how he feels like Russia is their brothers and all this stuff. Like this thing's going to amp up quick. Yeah, and and if we think the the human cost of Ukraine has been bad, I mean Ukraine had a, a decent, a, a fairly decent, you know, I wouldn't call I wouldn't have called them a first world nation, but they had a decent infrastructure, um, you know, things like that. The, but West Africa here is, is a part of the world that's been suffering since the end of colonialism. Yeah. Like if you, if you have a proxy war between world powers here in this part of the world, you're going to see famine. You're going to see yeah. slaughter. I mean, you're, it's going to be terrible. Dude. This is your forte, man. I'm so glad we talked about this. Like, you just taught me so much. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm so glad this came up. Dude, I don't know, man. The world is just getting so crazy. It's just, I, I have a 17-year-old son, and I worry about this. I know they're going to freak, because I, I, I think I posted a, an article in there today. Yeah, you did. Right? I did, about about the draft. Um, yeah, people are starting to push for a limited draft. Where is it? Let's, I think it was the last one I put in, right? Uncertain. Okay, let's let's just read this before we get off. Uncertain future of the U.S. military's all-volunteer force. The U.S. military <clears throat> has a manpower problem, and it's not just due to today's recruiting shortages. It's time for a comprehensive plan to solve the personnel shortfall. This year marks the 50th year anniversary of the United States all-volunteer military force. It also coincides with one of the worst recruiting years for the U.S. military since 1973. Well, I wonder why. Keep keep putting your 
your rainbow ads out there, guys, is really making people want to fight for their yeah. country. I would never. I'd rather my son do anything. Like, I would let him go to prison before fighting for this country right now. The Army missed the 2022 recruiting goal by 15,000 soldiers, and the Army, Air Force, and Navy all expect to miss their goals in 23. The shortage is blamed on a confluence of domestic issues, a competitive job market, lack of in-person recruiting during the pandemic, and a population of young adults who are less informed, less interested. Maybe they're more informed, more <laughs> less interested and less qualified for military service. <clears throat> the lack of qualified recruits has received a lot of attention, but the fact that our young population does not see the value of military service should also ignite a great concern. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe you guys should stop driving this country to hate themselves. Like, they literally hate patriotism. They're burning American flags. That, like, what is wrong with these people? Like, God. I was just going to say, like, I... I worked towards getting into West Point out of high school. Like I, I got accepted, couldn't serve, um, couldn't serve for, for medical reasons, but like, that's what I wanted to do. And I am so glad I did not get that opportunity now because how could I in good conscience, you know, serve to, to further the goals of, I mean, let, let's be honest. When Mohammedans call us the great Satan, do any of us really like actually disagree with that anymore? I don't No, We, we, we were talking, I know you don't like talking end times, but like the whore of Babylon is probably America. <laughs> like we are or our greatest ally. <laughs> yeah. Like we are the evil empire. Yeah. But, th but what they're talking about, like missing recruitments and transition to an all volunteer force, like, so the global war on terror, basically what they're saying is we need to reinforce the draft and actually start using the draft. So, uh, the draft under consideration, December 31st, 2002, a year after the start of the Operation Enduring Freedom, the opinion page of the New York Times read, bring back the draft. Representative Charles Rangel, who voted against the Iraq war, warned that an all-volunteer force would lead to an adventurism and thought a renewed draft would help citizens appreciate the cost of war. By 2004, despite sending 130,000 soldiers into Iraq during the invasion, any debate about enacting a draft was over. The House of Representatives held a vote to implement the draft primarily to draw criticism to the Iraq war during an election year. The bill was rejected. <clears throat> so, I mean, look, they're, they're just trying to bring up the draft again. I mean, every one of us, when you go to get your license, register for the draft, right? Including women now. Do they? I, I thought. I didn't know they so. made them do that yet. I know <clears throat> it's been talked about. Oh, I, I see Mike graduated from West Point here. Yeah, so oh man. I just <laughs> if think, they start drafting all the women, who will take care of the cats? <laughs> That's actually a great line. <laughs> a good line, Paul. Oh man. It really uh there's no female draft yet. Yeah, okay. I didn't think I know they talked about it, but I don't think there is one yet. It's just getting so crazy, man. I don't know. In the church, in the world. Pray for our country, pray for our church, pray for the Pope. Please, Lord, get us out of this. <laughs> we need help. All right, man. We did an hour and 45 tonight. That's a long I, one. It felt rather short, to be honest. Yeah, it did. I think it was good. We gotta, we'll gotta. we cut some clips up. We'll get rid of the, the 30 minutes of bro talk in the beginning for everybody. <laughs> we'll put some clips up. <clears throat> you know what it is? that You can edit in StreamYard now. It's great. That is a lot easier, honestly. Yeah, I don't have to actually like screen record and stuff. Anthony looks tired. Busy day, lounging in the skid steer. Yeah, you showed us all what you do now. 
Well, that was in a regular day, though. A regular day, I do way less. <laughs> regular day, a regular in the day, truck, watch yeah, the regular iPad. Day, I'm in my pickup truck. That was actually a private job we did, which we don't usually do. We don't usually do private jobs. Um, but that was so, it was so cool because we were done by 11 a.m. And because of the heat, Con Ed shut down. So we weren't able to do anything after. So I called my uncle and I'm like, hey, we're done. Me and Mike are coming to take your boat. And I was kidding. And he's like, well, nobody's used it all season. It could use a run. I'm like, we're on our way. So I took my friend Mike and my friend Carlo. We went to my, my uncle's house, took his boat. We went to Freeport, Nautical Mile, had lunch. And then we drove to Fire Island and had rocket fuels for dinner. <laughs> it was a fun day. And his boat is a lot better than mine. Oh, you know what? We oh, dude, I hate that I'm waiting till the end of the show to do this. First off, like and subscribe, guys. We're awful. <laughs> 46% of our audience is not subscribed. Um, and the other thing is we're one one away on locals. We are. One if away. one more p- person subscribes, we can do hour-long shows. Hour-long shows on locals. We could do trivia. I Honestly, what I want to do on locals, I want to bring, like, I want out of the 50 people who are subscribed on locals, if any of you want to join us for a show, I can't do everyone, but like, right. well, if if you if you are a paid subscriber and you want to come on the show and hang with us for a night, I'll we'll we'll do like one person a month or something, and we'll do something like that. Can't be every episode because we have other guests, but uh, maybe one. I'm taking I'll take my locals back if y'all don't want more more local stuff. <laughs> if you don't start doing more local stuff, we are going to. We need one more, one you more. Know what? I uh, I said it on Twitter today, so we just hit four thousand subs. When we hit five thousand, we need we should do an old time trivia show with all the regulars. Yeah, I think that would be a good five thousand sub show. I mean, I want to do I want to do something. I want to do trivia soon. I actually do. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to bring it back. I, my trauma. It's only over. been four months. I'm ready. My my trauma is over. <laughs> Great stream. Thank, thank, thank you, you, Short so, Farrell. You guys don't understand how much we appreciate stuff like this. You don't realize it really does help k- encourage us to keep going. Um, but yeah, if you, if any, if one more person joins, we're going to do something special on locals. And like I said, we'll, we'll see if we could do maybe once a month, bring one of the local subscribers on stream to just come and hang for an off the rails. Mm-hmm. And then you guys could share your, like, you guys are in the chat. Always with your comments. If anybody wants to come on, we'll do an off the rails once a month with a local subscriber. It'll take Night two before. years to get everyone on. <laughs> oh, it'll take f- four years. <laughs> My we'll be, off. we'll be long canceled because something, one of those guys is before then. Or maybe we'll do a local stream and bring three or four on at a time. Yeah. You get to 50 on locals, we get to get a ride on Anthony's boat. <laughs> Come on, Paul, cheapos. Help us Paul, out. You, you, might, you might not have been around when Anthony did a show from his boat. I did do it in my driveway, though. Intoxicated. I was very intoxicated. My <laughs> wife came up drunk. My, my wife walked over from the neighbors. She had a few glasses of wine and she jumped on the stream. I'm, First time she like, was ever on camera. Yeah, my, and Rob's like, dude, that's so out of character for your wife. I'm like, she's a little tipsy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hi, guys. <laughs> no, Caitlin, it's not that big. No, it's a very small boat. Um, uh, all right. So, yeah, guys, please join our locals. Please hit like and subscribe if you aren't already. We're, 46% of our audience is not subscribed. That's insane. We could be up to 7,000 right now. So, all right, let's wrap it up. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> what do you think the locals is for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We haven't made anything hey, yet. What are you going to do with the boat when we move to we, Tennessee? We ha- Oh, man, I'll go on a lake. 
<laughs> off on a lake. We haven't made enough money to pay for Rob's plane tickets to Pennsylvania yet. Not, not even close. No, so that's what we're trying to aim for right now. Yep. But all right, take us out, bro. Okay. United the clans. Enoch. Let's go. United the clans. Enoch. Let's go. Yo, yo, uh. Take me back to my reversion. Unite the clans. I give thanks to each 